With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I have spent quite a while. Hi, this is William Eastman, Managing Partner of Applied Knowledge Labs and your host for today's show. Welcome to IB2E Radio, Internet Business to Entrepreneur Radio. But before we rock on today's show, your legacy, uh, I just got to share my enthusiasm and probably a little of my weariness with you. We've just launched our newest brainchild, our revolution, the unconsulting revolution. Um, It's called the Growth Lab. And it's a free collaborative space for entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives to find solutions to their growth issues. It is our attempt to revolutionize our industry by pushing forth this concept of the unconsulting. But we'll talk a little bit later about it in the show. But I'm just kind of jazzed from all the work that we've done and my partners and all the people that we worked with. And it's a case study onto itself. But before I, but let's move on here. So here's the deal. Let's get into the administrivia. Uh, today's show is called Your Legacy. Uh, what do you? Ha- what's your end game? What do you intend to do uh, when the day is done with your business? Uh, the show number for those of you that want to track this on Blog Talk Radio. And man, these guys have been uh, doing well lately. It's show number one five nine eighty eight thirty five. That's one five nine eighty eight thirty five. If you want to call in and join us live, here you go eight seven seven two one eight. 1545. That's 877 218 1545. But wait, I'm not done. If you want to chat live while we're on the show, just go to blogtalkradio.com slash our call sign IV2E radio. And um, you'll see the chat button. Just click and jump in. And I am uh, with my three arms and five feet. I am trying to manage all that. The last thing you can do is uh, I don't know if I ever should call this tweet or twit. But if you want to get me on Twitter, you can go to my personal account at uh, W. Eastman. All righty. Um, so this this is a rebroadcast from the show we did on 6 January. And the reason for that, I, one is I wasn't happy with production. I don't know if it's our server, their server, uh, my microphone. I'm not sure. But when I listened to it, I went, that sucked. And so we intended to redo it. But with the launch of our new site, it was just perfect because we've got some different perspectives than we had just uh, basically a month and a half ago. And so this is the first of three consecutive presentations that we're going to rock along, and they're all rebroadcast, but rebroadcast much better. And trust me, I know what I did last time. And so today's um, Your Legacy, 
next session is the course forward, and then the last one is beating the odds by changing the odds. But more look at this, and I just wrote it down. I crossed off odds and said, it really what this is about is how do you beat the current odds out there in the economy? You do it by changing the rules. So that's where we're going to go with that. All righty, so now let me uh, let me get you kind of pointed up in the right direction here. So uh, legacy, what the, what the hell do you mean by legacy? Well, here here's our view of the subject of the legacy, and that is all business people who start have some bone in them called dreamer, some part of them. Uh, likes to think about the future and what they've created and leaving behind something more than themselves. And so this idea of the dream is whether you decided to, you couldn't work for somebody else and you decided that you needed to make your own job, so that's what this is really about. Um, or you said, hey, man, I, I, I just don't want to open a store or I just don't want to open a, a storefront, but I want to be the lead dog. I want to be the big dog out there is that all of us start with some dream about what we want to accomplish. Well, the legacy is a different way of looking at that by saying, when you hang up your spurs, when the day is over, when you walk off the field, and you know that you left it all out there, you've taken nothing to the dugout, nothing to the locker room, you gave it all you had, what is it that you created, and what did you leave behind? And i got to tell you is that you would think that that would be a question that most business owners, entrepreneurs, etc., have uh, thought through for themselves, and the reality it isn't. In fact, I think the number one answer I've received when I've asked people is, uh, is something like, uh, I died with my boots on. Now, they don't say this, but this is basically what they are saying is, um, you know, I, I, can vision, I can vision this uh, right now is that uh, the staff comes in on Monday morning, and they find you slumped over the desk. And uh, they know you work the weekend, so who knows? You could have been dead anywhere from Friday night to Monday morning. Uh, none of us want to end it that way. And so the real essence, where to start with this, regardless of where you are in your business, is to say, when it's done and I intend to leave it, how do I want to leave it? And what do I want to be known for, especially if this business is going to exist beyond me? And that's one of the critical questions that we're going to pose today. This is both going to be kind of a more esoteric conversation like we're having, but it's also going to have some numbers tied to it. All righty, so what are we going to do here? Well, five things I want to cover over the next 20-some-odd uh, minutes. What is possible? Before you think about what the legacy is, I want to give you some options. So that's what we're going to do. And then... Um, Number two would be, of those options, where are you going? Number three is, we're going to get into some numbers. We're going to talk about valuation. Now, I can't drill down on every company, so I'm not going to offer you the absolute solution to any of this because, quite frankly, it's it's I, the only answer I could give you is the one for our own company because every every industry is different. But how are, how are industries valued and how important that information is to you? The fourth area is how do you compare? What are your ratios and where are they? And again, this is more going to be generalized, but I'm going to leave you with enough that if you, if you get on the web, you do some searches, and you should be able to rock on this one. And then finally, um, uh, what are your go-forward investment decisions? What are some of the things that you're looking to do? Now, part of this is going to be so you can go do something with this information today. Number two is I'm setting you up for the next one, the course forward. What do you need to know in order to make this reality? All righty, so... Let's talk about what's possible. And so here's just some statistics, that, and these are the same ones I used in January. Uh, nothing has changed that much, but let me run you through a couple of these. Uh, for example, 
you take new companies, you take a cohort group, you take a group that started in 2011. Well, in two years, in 2013, only 70% of you will still be in business. 30% have already gone. Um, more than likely is what we would call infant mortality. The baby died before it ever had an opportunity to grow and prove itself. Uh, early stage death. In five years, in 2016, only five of the ten, only 50% of you will be remaining. And that is kind of a combination of infant mortality because some businesses never, never even quite grow up or it's what we call the founder trap in that the business has got to the point where it cannot get any bigger because the founder cannot get out of their own way. And again, these two we're going to hammer on tomorrow. Uh, that of the half of 1% of the remaining companies, half of 1% become the big dogs, the market dominators, the market leaders, the companies that started off in somebody's garage like uh, like Steve Jobs and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Steve Wozniak, and they you know started Apple Computer in Pacino, California, in a garage, and then suddenly, 20 years, 30 years later, they're one of the dominant forces in the industry, especially in their niche, and so that is an interesting statistic. What that really means. You know, turn the numbers around a little bit and make it real simple. I hold a meeting of all of the prospective entrepreneurs and startups in my area at the local Coliseum. I have 10,000 people in that room representing 10,000 startups. Only one will make it. Now, why is that? Well, part of that is the aspirations and desires of the entrepreneur and owner. They don't want to be that large but for the most part, it's not knowing the course forward and how to manage your way through that that really is the determining factor. What I want to say to you is that if you want to take your company to that level, I want to give you the tools to do that. And today is one-third of those tools. And so the question is, real simple question, is what's your end game? All right? So let me uh, let me do a visual for you. Hard to do, you know. I don't have a, I don't have a chalkboard to go to, or uh, you know, sophisticated graphics on some business network where I can kind of pop all this stuff up. So here's what I want you to envision: look at a chart, and basically what's happening is on the vertical axis up and down, it measures percentage of growth. On the horizontal axis, the axis that's going left to right, measures time. Here's how most companies move. And that is that line of growth over time goes up just a little bit. It's not a flat line and hopefully it's not going down. But what you see over time is a slow, slow growth. And then all of a sudden, you'll see that line just shoot up. That point is what we call an inflection point. And something happened at that company at that point in time that changed everything. The term we apply to it is reinvention. But let me talk about an, an inflection point and with a story. Let's take uh, America Online when they first started as a company. It was originally called Quantum Computers. It started in the, I think, mid-1980s, I think 84, 85, 86, right in there. And it started off as a bulletin board for Commodore 64 computers. Now, I've already dated myself because it was my first computer, so if you have no idea where the Commodore is, look it up. But it was um, it was not even equal to the processing power of the computer chip that's in your car or your cell phone. And they built a bulletin board for that. And then, 
as the Mac became popular and Mac had a GUI interface, they went ahead and they moved up and they started providing bulletin board services, not for Commodore, but for Mac. Well, still a limited market because not too many people have Macs. And then in the early 1990s, um, Bill Gates and uh, Steve Ballmer and all the boys over at uh, Microsoft finally got their first GUI platform. 3.0 was a failure, but 3.1 and 3.11 were fairly stable and usable. And suddenly what you had is the vast majority of computers in the United States, if not around the world, with GUI interfaces. And quantum computers became America Online. If you look at their curve, that their inflection point, it started in 1992 and it went to 2000 and it was one of the greatest runs in the history of business. That's what I mean by inflection point. And what you find here, and it's really interesting, which we will t discuss tomorrow and on, the, and on the third session, is that from that inflection point, there seems to be four, three paths to large market-leading, market-dominating firms. Some companies do it in four, some do it in six, some do it in 12. AOL was able to do it in four years. And what happens is that that inflection point, that reinvention, actually what occurs is that there are multiple reinventions until you get there. But save that. I'm building the case that you've got to hear the course forward show. So the question is, what's your, what is your course forward? What is it that you're trying to do? And so what, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about the issue of where are you going and what are the possible end games. Now, there are lots of variations, but I want to talk about the three predominant ones. Uh, number one is you plan to grow and sell. At some point in the business, you're just going to get out of this. You're going to have a, you're going to have a fire sale. Um, you're going to have a uh, you're going to have a, a liquidation, or you're going to sell it to somebody else, or you're going to get acquired. That is one option that you've got. A second option is to grow the business, but keep it private through private investors. Another option. Third major option, and the one that we're pursuing, is that you intend to grow it and take it public with venture capital and do an IPO. Now, the reason I say that you need to have some clarity in those three end games is because they, they will significantly drive the decisions that you make about how you invest in the firm. All right? And so, but before I go any further, let me just uh, take a quick break here uh, because I'm still kind of pumped up after doing an all-nighter. And I, and I say to you is that if you're really ready to move the business forward and you want to join the revolution, uh, then uh, now is the time. Every entrepreneur, every business owner, every exec uh, has more than one wish that they could start over. They could take the hard lessons that they've learned and start from scratch. Um, well, I'd like to provide you and all our listeners with that opportunity now. Uh, we, we're kind of leading, in our mind, the unconsulting revolution. We have established a community of business leaders who are looking for practical solutions to growth. And even in this economy, if you're ready to hit the reset button and create a new future, then join us. You can either do a search on the Growth Lab, or you can go to our recently introduced site at the World Wide Web, the-growth-lab.info. Um, there's no better time than today. And let me just say one thing about it before we move on to the next point, and that is it is free, and it's a place where you can go, ask questions, get answers uh, in ways that it simply hasn't been available to anybody uh, who, who has tried to get real-time consulting advice. I can assure you that uh, the price tag would have a comma and a lot of zeros if you were to buy this type of consulting. All right, now let's get into this company valuation. Um, 
every company, every industry is valued differently. Uh, I, I'll talk about some generics, but for the most part, all of them are vari uh, valued according to a set of um, criteria. And so what you need to do as a, as a business owner, one is to understand how your industry is valued, what is specific to your industry, and then once you do that, drill down on what are those core components of that industry because that should be driving some of your financial decisions. Um, and let me, let me talk about that a little bit here in just a second. So what, am I, what are the things that are typically looked at? And again, these, these are generic. Um, I'm more familiar with um, our industry sector than any others, so that's where most of my information comes from. But here's some of the things that you'll find across the board. One is return on sales. One of the things they're looking at is what is the return on the sales that you make, and that's basically net income before interest and tax over, uh, over sales. Number two, it, it looks at uh, basically the amount of profit produced per sale. And as all of you know, in sales, there's only there's a couple, only a couple ways that you can improve what you're doing. One is to sell more, have greater velocity of sales, and you kind of keep the formula the same, or you get make more mar you make more profit from sales, so you don't have to increase sales. You just got to increase profits. And so there's some options there. Return on gross profit um, is is another one, which looks at sales minus the cost of of goods sold over sales. A third one is cash flow valuation to take a look at how well you use probably the rarest resource on earth. It's it's rarer than gold when you run a company, and that is cash. What do you do with your cash? And then the last one is the cost of sales inventory. And so these four generic areas, if you go back and do an analysis of your own business, this may give you some ideas about where you currently stand. Now, why would I want to know that? Well, here's why I would want to know that. When your company is looked at, they make a couple decisions. Uh, they have a little checklist that they go by. Number one is they look at the completeness and accuracy of your financial reporting. What I'll say to you, and I, and I say this to all of uh, the people that we work with in the consulting industry, um, is this. You need a bookkeeper, obviously. You know, when you first start off, you need somebody to maintain the books. If you're doing your own books, you're crazy. I've talked about this enough times. I'm not going to beat it to death. But I think you need more than a bookkeeper, and I think you need more than a CPA. When you go in, even at the starting day, when you walk in the door or you bring somebody to you, ask yourself this question. Do they have the ability to be a chief financial officer, whether I outsource that role or I hire them? That's the type of person that you want to, that you want to look to because the numbers don't lie, but the numbers don't tell you a great deal without having somebody there to interpret them. And so if you're new to business, you're not strong in a financial area, get yourself somebody who is, who is a, is a heir apparent to being a, a chief financial officer. What's critical, though, here in this is that if your books are sloppy, things are missing, then they're going to start wondering about everything else that you tell them. The second thing is they look at trends. Now, hopefully you have a history of positive trends in the business, positive trends in terms of um, uh, quality defects, uh, cost of products produced, um, sales, etc. But negative trends won't hurt you either because what they'll do is they'll look at what have you done to respond to the trend. Uh, the third one, and it's a huge theme with us, it's, it's a profitable process chain. Well, what that means is that all of us have ultimately either make a thing to sell or provide services to sell. Those are processes. What is the process that you use to make things or to deliver services? And I can tell you that the goal is always to become the lowest cost producer 
in your niche or industry. Now, I didn't mean price. Price is a separate decision. What I am saying is, do you perform those services better, faster, and for less, or do you build those products better, faster, and for less than your competition? If the answer is no, you're going to get dinged here. And if you think about where we've been in this economy and what is the best practice of an organization that's in an economic downturn or a, re, a, a depression, is that the lowest cost producers are going to win because more than likely you're going to have to buy business. Well, imagine you're competing against somebody else. He lowers his price. You lower your price. The difference is you, have, you are a much lower cost producer than he is. You lower the price. You undercut him and you're still holding your margin. If he gets the business, he may be putting himself out of business because there's no margin in it at all. And then the last one is the self-sufficient operations. And what that means is that can the business, can the business survive without you? Um, absolutely critical. In the first couple years or the first couple stages of growth, obviously it's going to be you. You're, the, you're kind of the main dog in all this. But at some point, you got to be looking for your replacement. I worked for a uh, well-known training consulting firm a couple of uh, lifetimes back, a couple companies back, and I was managing partner for the consulting operation, and somebody came along and made an offer for the firm, and it was a very, very generous offer. It was almost $100 million, and it was a very generous multiple of sales because in our industry, that's one of the evaluation processes. Well, the caveat or the catch was that the owner, who is has incredible brand association to market and is well-known, um, had to stay in a company for five years and basically be a figurehead, not have any real power, just go out and speak, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, he turned it down. Um, well, they rescinded the offer because the, the deal was the company was only worth this generous multiple because he was going to stay. And I, and, I, and I understand where he was coming from. I'm not going to sell my company and then hang around and be a figurehead. If I sell it, I'm gone. And so the issue here is that you've got to get those operations to where they're self-sufficient. And so it doesn't need you anymore, and that will actually add to the valuation of the company. All righty. So how do you compare? Well, let's talk about uh, the issues with satisfaction. Most business owners, and uh, I'm actually outside the boundaries of this one, most business owners have about 50 to 70% of their net worth invested in their companies. In my case, it's over 90%. In other words, if this business doesn't go, I'm a greeter at Walmart. Nothing against Walmart, nothing against greeters at Walmart. I don't see myself doing that job. And so most of your wealth has been invested here as opposed to the stock market. Because think about it. Why would I invest a stock in a stock that I don't know anything about? and risk that somehow I'm getting a snow job from my broker when I can invest the money in me because I have control over it. Um, but now here's the sad story. Number two is only 20% of the business owners were satisfied with the final price. In other words, when that broker finally came in, you said, hey, I'm going to sell the business. The broker came in, did their valuation, looked at all the core components of the business, and said, here's what it's worth. You were either ready to cry or kick butt. And the answer is, why is that so? Is because if you didn't understand how the business is valued, then you didn't make the proper business decisions, uh, whether it's investments, it's buildings, it's bodies, etc. Um, and I want to get out of the morality play of it. I want to be, talk about this totally pragmatically. For example, 
If your intention is to sell the business, then probably investing in assets, hard assets, that appreciate in value, like a building, is a good bet because that will increase the worth of the business. Taking that same amount of money and investing it in maybe higher salaries for quality people or investing in people in terms of training and development, morally and ethically, and even intellectually, make make sense, be a good decision. But when you go to sell the business, you know what? That's all that money's wasted. It is not going to get valued, as opposed to if you're going to take the company and IPO it, then this may be the best place to spend your money. The physical assets don't mean very much to them because what they're betting on is the future of the company, as opposed to the other one is you're not betting on anything. You're basically estimating the cost of liquidation. And so that's why most business owners are not happy when they get that valuation. I'll tell you what had happened is that if you were today or tomorrow, go out and find a business broker, pay them a few bucks, and you probably get this done for a couple thousand dollars. Have them come in and evaluate the business and tell you what it's worth. And um, get over. And maybe it won't happen, but I would say um, don't want to choke them. Don't think about choking them when they're done. Look at that and then drill down on what were the exact core components that they looked at for your business. Manage those. Make your business decisions about investments and growth and people based upon those factors. If you do, you will raise the net worth of the business by 50%. Interesting dynamic, isn't it? All right, so a few more things as we close up our half hour. Each industry has its own specific set of ratios. You need to find out what they are, and then you want to benchmark your company against those. So here's the question. Do we fall into the upper or lower 2%? Because And, I, I'm, and on all these, I'm going to stay away from the lower. Just I don't even want to discuss it. If you're in the upper 2%, then you will be able to charge a price premium for your business. Or if you're going to borrow money, which we haven't even discussed, think about it this way. Those same numbers will affect your ability to get capital, especially private capital, private capital or to go to the banks for loans. If, and if you find a bank that's loaning money, let me know. Um, so if you're in the upper 2%, you can get price premium. If you're in the upper or lower 14%, let's take the upper 14%, you can probably get above average for your uh, for your company. If you're in the upper or lower 34%, let's deal with the upper 34%, then you can probably at least get the industry average. So how your company, one, is understanding how those ratios compute it. Number two is doing a comparison about how those things, how you match against other uh, other businesses in, in your industry and niche. And if you've got any questions on that, please write me, because what I can do is I there's a lot of things that I can do one-on-one. -on -one. My email address is eastman at, E-A-S-T-M-A-N, at A-K-L-A-B-S.org, eastman at A-K-L-A-B-S.org, or you can call me um, through our toll-free number at 888-211-6709. That is 888-211-6709. All righty, I've got uh, one more thing to say here as we close out the 30 minutes, okay? So what are your go-forward decisions? Well, things you got to do. Number one is make a decision of what you're going to do with the business. Are you going to liquidate? In which case, you just uh, hold the sale like like, uh, like a furniture store and you let them buy everything out and whatever you got left is what you got left. Number two is that you intend to sell the business. That's your strategy. Or number three is that you intend to keep it and grow it with private capital. And more than likely, uh, that means that you're looking to get the family involved and you're going to keep it as a family asset. Or the last one, 
that we talked about, and that is you intend to take it public and you want to IPO this and make it publicly traded stock. Make that decision now. You don't have to. You you can change your mind later, but right now make that decision. Then number two is go get a business broker, and especially if you're thinking about selling the business in say five years, grab somebody and say, look, I'm looking to sell this in five years. You do your research. Who would you want handling the sale? Bring them in now and get the evaluation from them, um, so that you understand what it's worth after you get over the shock. Now maybe you'd be pleasantly surprised, um, but you'd be the twenty percent. Then what I would do is, number three, is then make sure that I manage my investment decisions inside the firm based upon those metrics so that I can make those numbers look the way I want them to look. You're not, you're not engaged in anything illegal or immoral. You're simply making sure that you're putting the best face on the company you possibly can. And then the last thing is, if your goal is to grow it and you're looking for fast and sustainable growth, especially in this economy. And i got to tell you is that my belief is I'm an amateur economist because I have to be, just like most business people. 2011 may be the only window. 2011 may be the only window we have open for rapid growth. So take advantage of this opportunity in 2011. If that's your interest and you want to grow the firm, then you must catch the next show, uh, The Course Forward, where I'll give you what you need to do and understand. Well, that's it for today. Uh, the fastest 30 minutes in radio, certainly the fastest 30 minutes in Internet radio. Uh, make sure you join us for our next presentation or download the podcast on the course forward. And so I will see you online. You take care. And again, William Eastman, Applied Knowledge Labs, Eastman at aklabs.org, 888-211-6709. Ciao. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.